to share your journey. So we want to start with you from the very beginning to the latest happening now. How'd you get started? Um, so I started the organization about five years ago now, right? Um, because I personally went through the foster care system myself. And when I was aging out, I was so confused by how I was supposed to navigate the real world without any support. And so for me, it was really important to figure out how I was going to make a difference in this particular space. And so um, when I moved back to the U.S., I, I met um, Jeannie Pritzker, whose family foundation is really involved with the foster care initiatives in, in L.A. County. And so it was kind of love at first sight. And from there, we um, we kind of incubated this idea of foster nation. And then with the help of people like you, Leo, and all the other people who were part of the first cohort of the Young Leaders Collective, we we started the organization to be able to um, support and empower foster youth as they're aging out of the system. Facts, facts. Um, now let's talk about like how the foster care system impacted you directly um, or indirectly, either way, just how, what kind of sparked the idea to make you say, I want to start my own nonprofit to just, you know, give back. Yeah. Um... That's a great question. I honestly, I um, never thought I would work in the nonprofit space, partly because I wanted to get so far away from foster care. Um, so when I aged out, I was kind of like, get me as far away as possible. I don't want to have anything to do with it. I knew I wanted to volunteer or something, but um, but I think that the, the point that was really crazy for me was when I moved back to the US after living in India for almost four years, I realized that I had aged out of the system for a decade, so 10 years, and not much has changed in the foster care system. So for me, it was crazy to think that, you know, it's been 10 years and nothing really has changed. The system hasn't gotten better and foster youth are still dealing with all sorts of challenges and issues when they age out. And so I just, I'm very much as a personality and problem solver. So I was like, okay, I have to do something about this. Right, right. You got that superhero complex. <laughs> um, yeah, now you said there's there's some issues with youth aging out of the system. Um, let's talk about just like naming a few of those issues that youth age out and they have problems with, like, and the ones that you target like head on, what do you think some of the top issues are? Yeah, sure. Um, so just for people who aren't as familiar with the foster care system, um, we have thousands of youth that age out of the system every year when they turn 18 or 21 years old. And, you know, from there, they're basically handed a trash bag and a list of public shelters and very little resources and told to go into the world. Um, and so a lot of times the way that I help my friends or people that I'm talking to understand this is. Imagine if the day that you turn 18 years old, I told you that you had no one to go to and your only way to survive in the world was just this trash bag and, and you, right? And so I think so many people think that once kids end up in the foster care system that they're being taken care of by the government, um, which you know up until 18, that's a whole other conversation about those issues. But up until 18, you know they, they do have a roof over their head, but from the moment they turn 18 or 21 in some states, they basically go from that to having nothing or anyone. And so the challenge is 
you know, the foster youth that age out of the system, it almost, foster care almost becomes a pipeline for, you know, the, the prison system, homelessness and, um, and human trafficking. And so that's, as an organization, that's what we're hoping to, to change. Facts, facts. Yeah, and you mentioned you've been doing this five years. So um, let's just share some of the, the great things that you've been able to accomplish within those five years you've been able to achieve so far. Sure. Um, so, I mean, in the past five years, we've, we've really been able to grow as an organization. Just as an example, um, during COVID, when, when schools had shut down, um, all the campuses had shut down, so many of our foster youth in college didn't even have access to food. So they were going for days without eating because they used to rely on college campuses for food. And so as an organization, we stepped in to make sure that foster youth had access to at least you know, 30, 60 to 90 um, days of food. And so from, from that alone, we were able to you know, scale from working just in LA County to working within 57 colleges in the state of California. Um, which means, you know, basically we served foster youth in over 440 zip codes across the state of California. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, let's uh, let's touch on the Speak Up series. One of my favorites. I was I've been in the Speak Up series personally. So and so many others. I don't know how many people you've had done it so far, but it's an amazing thing to get involved in for you know people who are looking to get involved who have similar traumas or come from, you know, similar upbringings and things. Just want to share the story, just anyone. Yeah, sure. Um, first of all, Leo, I love that. Um, I love that you're doing what you're doing now because you you now have a sphere of influence, right? Like you have all these eyeballs and people that are paying attention to you. And I love that what you're doing is bringing awareness to something that, you know, has affected you directly, but also affects all the people who come up out of the system like you. So um, just want to start by saying thank you for um, for having me and for doing this. But um, the Speak Up series is, is really a platform um, and a social awareness campaign that sheds light on the experiences that foster youth go through when they're going through the system. So, you know, since we, start, since we launched this um, five years ago, we've had hundreds and hundreds of submissions of foster youth basically just sharing their story, right? So right. I'll just give you an example. When we first started this, there was a foster youth who um, shared her story um, and we shared that on Facebook. You know, we got a couple of thousand likes and comments, all of that. There were a lot of people cheering her on saying, we're, you're so amazing, thank, you know, thank you for sharing your story. Mm -hmm. uh, what was really interesting was a year later, there was somebody who commented on that story um, on that post. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. That was from a year ago. Why did they comment? So I go on the thing and then I and then I read the comment and it was actually that former foster youth's biological mother who commented and wrote, you know, I'm so sorry I never meant to hurt you the way that I did. And I didn't think that, you know, some my choices would lead to all like this horrible experience that you had to go through in foster care. And it was very much like a like a full circle experience for me, like to see you know, to see that um, social media platforms like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn have the ability to reach audiences. Like, you know, she, the fact that she was like apologizing to her child for having gone through that, it must have been really powerful for the foster youth to, to be able to read that. It doesn't seem like they stay there, that they're in touch, right? And so for me, the Speak Up series was always meant to be 
you know, as a former foster youth, we have a lot of stories told for us, right? Like you, you're a number, right? Like if you graduated college, you're the 3% that graduated. If you didn't, you're the 97% that didn't make it to college and didn't graduate, right? A lot of the stories that are told in media are really from other people about us. And I think the big idea behind um, the Speak Up series was just to help to provide a safe space and a platform for foster youth to be able to share share their story in their own words and have other people understand you know what they went through and where they're coming from and um and so that was that was really important um for the organization and, and to me personally because I will say when I graduated from college or actually when I emancipated from the system I didn't want to tell anybody I grew up in the foster care system because the media paints it in such a horrible light. Um, whereas now doing the work that I do, I'm aware that, you know, despite the fact that I went through the foster care system and everything and have, have been able to get to where we are today, like that's a superpower that we should all tap into. And so I wanted to create a space where people felt like they were being celebrated for sharing their story. That's facts, that's facts. Yeah, you mentioned, you know, traveling to India, obviously world travel, um, and you branched out just from being in the original headquarters in LA, you have the chapter for LA at Foster Nation, now you have New York and other cities and other states, so let's talk about you just branching out and going nationwide with your with your company. Yeah, sure. Um, yes, I have spent a lot of time overseas personally, and a big part of that is because I just wanted, after I got out of foster care, I wanted to be as far away from it as possible. And um, and so I couldn't think of a further place than India, honestly. And then I also lived in Mongolia. I've done a lot of living in other cities. And so um, for me, I think it's really important to, to for the organization, for Foster Nation to, to grow and scale in other cities because you know, foster care doesn't just live in LA County or California. It is across the U.S. and there's over 400,000 foster youth currently in the system, right? Foster children and youth. And so our goal is to be able to um, to provide the services and also just the message that we're putting out there, which is like, hey, we're in your corner. Um, somebody's here for you, even if you don't know them. Um, we're hoping that that's something that we can do really in the, in the years to come to be able to scale in those cities and and really support the local, you know, agencies as well as the kids that are um, in various states. Um, so, and the other thing that I will mention about, um, you know, just helping foster youth understand that somebody is in their corner and that somebody's there for them is really partly because when I was younger and going through the system, when you're a child, you don't really realize that other people are out there looking out for you or thinking about you. You just think you're going through it alone and no one cares. And mm -hmm. so I think it's really important um, as an organization and, you know, as a founder of the organization to really help foster youth that are in the system now today understand like people do care about you and there are people looking out for you, even if you don't know who they are. Facts, facts. That's true. Yes. Yeah, so I'm glad we talked about that. Thank you for sharing. Um, I want to talk about something a little bit lighter. What music have you been listening to? What's on your playlist? Sure. Oh, man. I wish I had prepared for this. <laughs> You're going to think I'm lame. Just kidding. Um, okay. 
what music have I been listening to? Um, I've been really into um, Leon Bridges lately. I don't know if you're familiar. Yeah, um, yeah. Because I'm going to his concert on Saturday and I'm really, really excited. So just kind of like catching up on that in general. Um, and I recently was at an event with Aloe Black. So kind of going back and really listening to some of his music and um, and part of our conversation was about how important music is in um, raising like the collective consciousness and getting people to do things. So outside of just, you know, what is popular, really helping people think through, you know, the, the power that music has, right? So like Marvin Gaye, Bob Dylan, like all of these, you know, so kind of going back on some of the oldies and, um, and then the, and so that's what I've been listening to. Nice, nice. Yo, so Maggie, I got a series of questions I'm asking you, just ask them to the best of your ability, all right? Uh-oh. <laughs> so the first question is smash, marry, kill, and you gotta smash one, kill one, and marry one, hypothetically. And your nominees are Drake, The Weeknd, and Steve Aoki. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, so it's match, marry, kill? Yeah. Okay. Um, I would, wow, this is really hard. Okay. I think I would, oh man, this is so hard. Okay. It's hypothetically, think, you know. It's, yeah. It's yeah, not, yeah. Okay. Okay. Fine. Um, I would, I think I would match. Steve Aoki, I would marry um, the weekend. No, oh man, kill Drake. oh man, I don't want to kill Drake. No, okay, I would marry. Okay, change my mind. Marry <laughs> Drake, match weekend, and kill Steve Aoki. Sorry, <laughs> I wanted to not kill him because he's Asian, and I, you know, obviously <laughs> Asian. Instagram, Snapchat, or TikTok, what's your favorite social? Instagram. Um, singles or albums, what do you listen to more? Um, singles. Podcast or radio? Podcast. 